Well, maybe in your life, you sense some emptiness. Maybe you sense some incompleteness. You know, before I came to Jesus Christ, that's something that I had a gnawing emptiness, a gnawing sense of being incomplete. But you know, the Bible says we are complete in Jesus Christ. He's the one that completes us. A person can't really do that for us. It is our God. And it only makes sense that we will be incomplete until we are connected with Him. And so we're going to talk about that today, being complete in Christ on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Paul says, Colossians 1.29, For this purpose also I labor. I ask you, do you have a purpose? What's your purpose for living? Well, Paul's purpose was to win converts to Christ. And he says, I labor. For this purpose also I labor. See the word labor there? It's, it's working to the point of exhaustion. It's, it's gospel laboring here. And I strive or striving according. But here's how I do it. I do it according to what? His power. See the word power there? It's where we get our word energy. It speaks of superhuman power. His power which mightily works within me. If the ministry was all about my fleshly efforts, we ought to just pack up and go home. But if the ministry is about the power of Almighty God moving through an ordinary individual's life like you and me, you at work, you in the grocery line, you wherever you may be at a park on a Saturday, just keeping your heart open to the fact that everyone is incomplete without Christ, God will give you a mission field. And so he says, I labor. I'm striving. The word striving is agonizomai. That's a big Greek word. It's where we get the word agony in English. The Greek verb refers, referred originally to competing. It was used for agonizing in an athletic event or fight. Have you ever watched a, a marathon runner agonizing in the last lap of the race? You can see the pain on their face. Have you ever seen a mom on a Saturday morning? It's a similar pain. Moms have to agonize. Agonizomai. That should be your new word, mom. Why? Because you're doing something similar. You're trying to move little kids to a point of completion. <laughs> Pastors and mothers have the same job, pretty much. Mom's the hardest job. Pastor's about second. <laughs> Just kidding. It's probably down the list pretty far. But here's the point. Getting people to a point of maturity can be agonizing. You may spend your life lots of times agonizing over people, situations. You may be losing sleep because you're agonizing over a child that's wayward. And look, we understand that. Paul went through that all the time. He said, look, which, he said, I have a constant burden on my heart for all the churches. Imagine, Paul, he planted all these churches in pagan-dominated lands where there was all this false teaching and there was all this uh, polytheism and a pantheon of gods and goddesses. He was always concerned that false teaching might move converts away from the truth. And so he says, NIV, I struggle with all his energy. You see, here's the key. Let it be God's energy, not yours. His energy powerfully works in me. George Whitfield's preaching was getting people out of their beds in Edinburgh. A man on the way to the great tabernacle met a man named David Hume. David Hume was the Scottish philosopher and skeptic of Christianity. 
Surprised at meeting him on the way to hear Whitfield preach, the man said, I thought you didn't believe in the gospel. To which Hume replied, I don't, but he does. When there's a man on fire or a woman on fire and it's the power of the Holy Spirit, it's superhuman. It's something that you can sense that's beyond the normal stuff when you meet people and, you know, talk about the various and sundry topics that you can talk about. And so we need the power of God in our lives. That's what Paul had. That's why he did what he did. He said, I want you to know, moving to chapter 2, verse 1. He says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea, one of those sister churches as we described in the opening of this book. Laodicea and for all those who have not personally seen my face. Everybody look at your Bible, chapter 2, verse 1. See that word Laodicea there? You all who have read the Bible at all and read the book of Revelation, you know there's a Laodicean church in Revelation 3. And do you remember when Laodicea is addressed by John in Revelation, do you remember what Laodicea's problem is? They are lukewarm. And Jesus said, I wish that you were hot or cold, but you are neither hot nor cold. And because you are lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Here's my point. If Paul wrote Colossians in the early 60s AD, most scholars believe Revelation's about 95. And by the way, we're studying Revelation on Wednesday nights. If you want to come, we just opened the book, 7 o'clock. But when he writes in AD 95, it took that church probably just about 30 years to go from probably a solid church to lukewarm. And I would say in a lot of people's lives, it doesn't take 30 years. Sometimes it takes 30 minutes. Sometimes it takes 30 days. And the reason is, is because we can get captivated with other things that draw us away. And Paul says, I'm struggling. I want you to know of my struggle on your behalf. Paul says, for all those who have not personally seen my face. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, with all of us struggling with our prayer lives and what to pray for, how much emphasis do you put in your prayer life on churches you've never met before? How much do you pray for people you've never, never met before? Well, that was Paul. And I don't think Paul's just talking about prayer. I think he's talking about doctrine. The word originally here for the struggle was derived from the place where Greeks assembled for the Olympic Games, a place where they agonized in wrestling and foot races and where they fought to win. If I were Paul, I would have wrote the Colossians and said, would you pray for me? I'm in prison. Pray, get all the people to pray for me. When you, if I would have wrote a letter, I would have wrote that. I'm in prison. Help me. Pray for me. Bring me food. I wouldn't have said, I'm struggling praying for you. you, you you're walking around free and colossi. How bad could it be? But Paul had such a heart. Here he is writing the prison epistles, saying, I'm struggling for you. Here's the goal. That their hearts, verse 2, may be encouraged. Paul wanted the Christians to be encouraged, having been knit together in love. The word for encourage there is paraclean, a form of parakaleo. It means to call alongside. It's the idea here that Paul wanted the church not to be discouraged, but encouraged. Here's the thing. You can be an encourager or a discourager. Encourage means to put courage into people. To discourage means you take courage out of people. Which are you? It depends on the day and the freeway traffic, frankly. <laughs> right? But, we, but Paul was an encourager. 
He says, look, I want them to be knit together in love. How many of you ladies are knitters? Raise up your hand if you knit. My grandmother was a knitter. My wife is an excellent seamstress. And often those who knit make stuff for other people, sweaters, for dogs. (laughs) No, just kidding. (laughs) But my grandma would make blankets and the, the idea of the knitting was to cover you. It was a, it, the knitting project was often with somebody else in mind. Amen? I'm, oh, I'm going to make this for so-and-so. I'm going to make this for so-and-so's new baby. I'm going to make this to cover up my grandson, etc. It's an act of love. Well, Paul says, I want you guys to be knit together. Francis Schaeffer said, the ultimate apologetic of the church is our unity. And can you imagine if if you were a fly on the wall in the Colossian church and you heard people debating these ideas? Like, what do you believe? Do you believe in the esoteric knowledge? Do you think that we need to start to use these secret symbols in science? Do you think we have to read these extra books? Because they say that unless you have the secret knowledge, you really can't be in and Christ is not enough. What do you think? I don't know. I I disagree. Back and forth and up and down it would go. And Paul says, you better stay together because the devil is a divider. And he often uses false doctrine. Somebody gets on a hobby horse about a particular doctrine. It could be uh, a doctrine of, you know, Calvinism or or Arminianism or uh, timing of the rapture. And they take an essential, uh, non-essential, and move it to the point of an essential. And often churches are divided. Paul says, I want you to be knit together. Uh, My wife has a sign. uh, It says, a day hemmed in prayer will not come undone will not unravel. There you go. A day hemmed in prayer will not unravel. That's a good one. Go to Colossians 3. Look at verse 14. Colossians 3, 14. Oh, go back to verse 13. It says, Bearing with one another, 3, 13, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. So Paul says, I want you to be knit together in love because the false teachers are trying to divide you guys. And don't you understand this is what the enemy does? I want you to attain, look at verse 2, chapter 2, all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery that is Christ himself. If you want to know, if you want to just have it boiled down, there's no hidden stuff you need The secret has been revealed. God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, God put his love on display at the cross. God's not keeping it secret. Christ lived in the very history in which we are now walking. Those of us who go to Israel next March will walk on ground where he walked. We will sail on waters that he walked on. We will see that in the very history in which we are embedded, archaeological manuscript and other evidences for the God of the Bible. In fact, the evidence is all around us. Paul says, I want you to know. I want you to have this full assurance. I don't want you to be captivated by these false arguments. For in Jesus Christ, verse 3, chapter 2, are hidden how many? All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Who must Christ be Think about it. Who must Christ be if all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in him? He must be God. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first, what are you wrestling with in your life? In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness. It's no secret the Christian life is difficult, but you can take comfort in knowing you are not alone. In Pastor Michael Lance's book, Suit Up, he shows you a revealing look at God's armor and how the Lord will equip you to face the world. You'll learn about the nature of the battle, who the real enemy is, and God's provision to be victorious. Learn about how each piece equips you for spiritual battle when you get your copy of Suit Up today on walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. For in Jesus Christ, verse 3, chapter 2, are hidden how many? All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Who must Christ be? Think about it. Who must Christ be if all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in him? He must be God. And that's exactly who he is. He is God. He is the repository, the great storehouse of all riches and spiritual wisdom, the massive ignots, as one writer puts it, of solid gold, which when coined into creeds and doctrines are the wealth of the church. It's all in Christ. You don't have to go anywhere else. It's all in him. They're hidden in him. See the word hidden there? It's apocryphos. It's where we get the idea of the apocryphal books or the apocrypha has the idea of hidden here. And some scholars believe that Paul's using an idea in the false teachers. The false teachers said there was secret hidden knowledge that you had to climb up a stairwell to a smoky room and there would be hooded figures there and with the right code and the right uh, uh, secret passage words. What's the secret passage? Uh, I don't know, double-double? Yeah, okay, you can come in. It's almost lunchtime, sorry. And, And now we'll reveal to you the secret of all all secrets. You can now be in the club. Wait a minute. I thought the secret was revealed and the secret is Christ. Amen. I thought the mystery was now fully revealed. Oh, but there's something more. Yes, it's found here in this hidden treasure chest in this little book only in our church and only in the corner, the southwest corner of our building. What? No, we have 66 books and the mystery has been revealed, baby. Amen? And it's this. Christ is the repository of all wisdom and all knowledge. And if someone tries to sell you a bill of goods and say, oh, well, you may have heard that in the Christian church that Christ is enough, but there's another book you need to read. In fact, there's a four-volume set and for three easy payments... (laughs) Don't you love how they're always easy payments? When someone else is paying you, it's easy. They're painless. Every time I receive a check, it's totally painless. For three easy installments of $49.99, you too can have the secret. How many of you have been up late at night and you must confess? Go ahead. It's good for the soul. You made a purchase like this. Oh, wow. Or... They sold you the pill, you know, the singular pill where you'll lose 20 pounds in a month. Just take this. Can't eat anything else. (laughs) Oh, it's everywhere, folks. And it's not just the world. It's religion. Oh, you thought that just believing in Jesus was enough? Oh, wait a minute. 
And the cults and the false teachers multiply over the generations. And it's the same old song and the same old lies. Oh, Christ, just is it enough? Well, what more would you need if in him all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found? What would you add to that if all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in him? What more would you need if he's God? Nothing. Nothing. And so Christ is the one where you find wisdom. Wisdom is often defined as practical, applying knowledge, practically speaking, for life, for spiritual life. And this, uh, scholars would agree, is the high point of the letter. H.A. Uh, Ironside says, it's not necessary to go elsewhere. That is to investigate human systems or philosophies to find an explanation of the mystery of the universe and the relationship of the creator to his creatures. As we learn to know Christ better and understand the truth concerning him, ultimately every question is answered. Every perplexity is made clear. Every doubt is dissolved. Why turn aside to idle speculations, no matter how pretentious, when God has spoken in his Son and given his holy word to lead us by the Spirit into all truth? Why would you go there? And yet, there are people who are captivated constantly. Do you know that it's been said by cult experts that the biggest door to the cults is the back door of Christian evangelical churches? Where people come into the church and somehow get convinced by a cult or a cultic movement that Christ simply is not enough. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. And so people are not rooted and grounded in Christ, and this is where we're going, and they get captivated by cults, frankly, just to be quite candid, because they don't know their Bibles. They just don't know their Bibles. I'm amazed at how quickly people can be sold a bill of goods by a slick-talking religious representative, and people lack discernment because they often don't know their Bible. Paul says in Colossians 2.4, I say this in order that no one may delude you, the word delude there is to be persuaded or cheated by a false argument. It's a word used in the law courts for a persuasive argument from a lawyer. Lawyers are good. <laughs> you know, if you get a good lawyer, you could probably get out of almost anything. You just got to come up with enough money. And they can be very persuasive. Paul says, I don't want you to be deluded with a persuasive argument. If there's a silver-tongued person telling you something that's against Scripture, believe the Bible. For even though, verse 5, I am absent in body, uh, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. These are both military terms. Good discipline speaks of uh, walking uh, in an orderly arrangement as a shoulder, as a soldier, shoulder to shoulder. And stability speaks of uh, a battalion with their shields together or over them, protecting them as they are stable against attacks. And finally, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, Colossians 2.6, so walk in him. You might say, okay, this, this, is, this is interesting, Pastor Michael, and it's interesting about the false teachers at Colossae, but what do I do with all this? I live in Corona. Yeah, well, this applies to those in Corona and those in Colossae. Here's what it is. If you've received the Lord, the word for received there is a word, you've taken him in, he's become your Lord and Savior. If that's you, here's what you do. If you've therefore, or as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so, what's your Bible say? 
walk in him. It doesn't sound too complicated until you try it. Right? Doesn't it sound easy? Just walk. Just walk. Walk has the idea of a direction. Walk by faith, not by sight. Walk with God. But the word walk is a synonym for live. It's you've received Christ as Lord, now live in him. Walk out. You know, we, we like to call people sometimes that if their talk and walk don't measure up, we, we, we call them out, right? Oh, practice what you preach. Let your walk and your talk go hand in hand. But I'm not sure we always apply that to ourselves. He says, you receive the Lord, now walk in him. Walk by the Spirit, says Paul, Galatians 5.16, and you will not carry out the desires of your flesh. Here's the image behind me. It's that of a tree. Everybody take a look up on the screen. What, something I've learned about trees, and I don't know a whole lot about them, is that what you see above the ground is roughly equivalent to the root system that you cannot see below the ground. So what you see going on in someone's life, if you see a fruitful life, if you see a person who's on fire, producing fruit, there's a reason, and the reason is their roots go deep. A tree's productivity, stability, fruit producing, everything that it is, is all about its root system and the nourishment that it gleans from those deep roots. Your Christian life and the fruitfulness that will follow is all about your root system. And the deeper your roots go, every time you walk into this place and you hear the word of God, as long as your heart is open and you're good soil, every time you open your Bible, every time you pray, every time you worship, your roots are going a little bit deeper and deeper and deeper. And then when the wind blows and the storms come, the tree won't go down. Why? Because its roots are deep. And Paul says, having been firmly rooted, this is a horticultural uh, image, from plant life, firmly rooted, and being built up is really from the architectural or construction world. So when you're firmly rooted, then you're built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed. And notice, one of the good markers or ways to tell fruitfulness is whether you're overflowing with, verse 7, gratitude. Do you know that gratitude is a great um, way to resist false teaching? Here's why. When you are a person of gratitude, you're complete. Amen? A grateful person is a person who feels complete. So instead of saying, you know what, I, if only I had this to drive. You, you, do you know somebody who, who lives in the if only world? If only traffic would be lighter. On the freeway today, it's never light on the freeway, right? If only they live in this world and look, it often springs from a feeling of incompleteness, but when you're overflowing with gratitude, it means your root system is deep. Ironside again says, as a tree sends its roots deep down into the soil, they would draw on hidden resources or sources of supply, all centered in Christ, and as a building founded on a rock is firmly established. They would recognize Christ as their only foundation. Completeness and gratitude go hand in hand. How deep are your roots, would you say, today? If you're moving in the right direction and they're going deeper instead of getting shallower, you're in good shape. 
you're growing. We all start out as a little sapling. <laughs> I won't even dig that out further. But we all start somewhere. And the question isn't, you know, if you're some huge tree dropping fruit into everybody's life. The issue is, are you growing? And if you are, gratitude will be one of those major markers. Paul says, I want you to overflow with gratitude. Well, that's always a good question to ask. Are you growing? Am I growing? Have your roots, have my roots gone deep so that they are finally clinging to Christ in a firm foundation? Well, I continue to pray for all of us that we are drawing closer to the Lord daily and getting rooted and grounded in Him. Well, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. I would love to hear from you. If you have any comments or questions or would like to share how Walk in Truth is blessing you or encouraging your walk, it would really bless us to hear from you. So please reach out to us today at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Well, tomorrow I'm excited to share a message with you called C28. It's based on Colossians 2.8, and we're going to look at how the world has its philosophies. There are many of them, many teachings, many worldly philosophies, but how do they line up to the revelation about Jesus Christ, the revelation in the Bible? Are they aligned with that truth? So come back tomorrow, and we'll get into that text on this very important teaching on Colossians 2.8. Until then, God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.